Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. That's good. We got some good energy going and we are ready. So thanks for being here. We're continuing in our series called Better Together through Ephesians 4 through 6. Encourage you to grab your Bibles, grab the outline in the bulletin. We're going to be using that as we go today. But the the topic of what the the passages we'll be looking at today is all about uh, an emotion and uh, an expression that can often be a little bit scary because that is anger. Anger. Don't, you don't want to see me when I'm angry, says the Hulk, right? And like, so we know anger, anger personified in the Inside Out movie where you've just got this, this, this just rage, right? It's simmering kind of the Hulk, right? It's simmering underneath for a long time till ultimately it just explodes out of people. And this is the actor, Louis Black, that plays anger. And he, you know, they did a good job of making it look like him. Uh, but, you know, anger can sometimes come out on the, the sports field. Uh, this is a guy named Diego Costa, who is on my favorite soccer team. And he is a really great player, but he destroys his opportunity to be great because of his anger. And he just freaks out and screams and gets kicked off the field. And he's kind of scary, right? And like you can see where sometimes competition brings that anger out of people. Or you get sort of the pouty anger like Kobe, you know. Sorry to, you know, I love, I love the Lakers. But, you know, he's always upset about what other people are doing wrong and not his own wrong, right? And so you can see how the anger comes out in different ways for people. Road rage is huge. This might not be your typical face of road rage, but I liked it. Uh, you know, this is where we, we like, the, the roads are a huge test, you know, for us, for me, I should say. You know, where, like, especially if my kids are in the car and with what happens around me and what I'm going to do or say or how I'll react. And we have to have some sort of control over our anger when we're on the roads. But, you know, anger might look like this guy, but it also can come from some of the frightening places like this little girl. And uh, anger can come from anywhere. Now, anger, we, we often think of it as that, that rage or, you know, the hothead. But what's, what's sort of more sad or more intriguing is that, you know, the face of anger can come from a place of someone that's being hurt. And that anger is beginning. You know, it can start with sadness. It can start with abuse. It can start somewhere else. And then anger can come out later. Anger doesn't always look like what we might think of as, you know, the hothead. But anger can be distant. Anger can be, can be missed in people. But I'm about to show you the most frightening image of anger, the most true, the most, like, just real picture of how anger is expressed in our world today. You ready for it? Boom. This little lady hiding behind her computer screen, and she's just destroying people on Facebook, okay? Like, this is the image of anger, I think, you know? This is how anger gets expressed the most in our culture today, in this, like, what would seem like a frightening, you know, not a frightening picture, but this is where it comes out huge, I think, where we see people hiding behind a keyboard and just destroying people with their anger on social media. So I want to talk about anger. You know, I want to talk about how we are uh, like affected by anger, how we express anger, how anger is good, how it's bad. You know, we did this whole like illustration a couple weeks ago with the shirts, right? Where I was up here and I was taking these shirts off that said things like malice, slander, abusive speech, anger, lying, all these things that we take them off and we put on compassion, kindness, 
love. And these are the traits that we want to to own and, and to be about. And so we know that we have to get rid of those negative things and the way that we treat people or speak to people. But we know that then we, we put on this kindness and love. And a lot of times, you know, if we really want to be better together, I mean, come on, we just got to stop being jerks to each other and be kind and, and, and be nice. But sometimes niceness isn't the best way to express love, right? Sometimes niceness, if you see someone is being wronged, sometimes niceness isn't the best way to show love. The best way to be compassionate to a person that is being human trafficked isn't to be nice. The best way to show love to someone, like a woman that's been abused, is not just to be nice necessarily all the time. There comes a passion that even could be called anger. And so that's why today we would say, be angry. Be angry. As this passage says in Ephesians 4, 26 to 27. So if you haven't yet, open up your Bible to Ephesians 4. We're just in these two verses, these two short, simple verses today that will speak to us about anger. And it says this, hence the title, Be angry. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. All right, so simple as that. And that is this point that you should be angry. You might not expect that. You might not expect me to say you should be angry. You might think, you might have even thought that this verse says, don't be angry and don't let the sun go down on your anger. But no, it says be angry. And this is actually a positive command here. This is in that the language of it is to say, yes, you should be angry. Okay, now, so we want to get into what, are, what does this mean, right? What, what do we mean by you should be angry? This is quoting actually from Psalm 4-4 where David is trembling with anger at his enemies. Okay, David is expressing this anger in the psalm. And David's pretty good at that, and we'll look at some more about that. But we can't just be apathetic. We can't just be nice all the time is the way that we're going to live out this Christian life in the way that we should. If we want to be loving even, it's not just being quiet and nice. But we should care a lot and to care about what God cares about. However, as we talk about this, I want us to be careful I want us to be careful about what we choose to be angry about, okay? And this is where we get into some of this, is that we should be careful about what we choose to be angry about, even the good things, that there are certain things that we should be angry about, those injustices in the world, right? That we don't just get angry at every little thing, that there's a big difference between anger and maybe disagreement, being angry about something and just disagreeing with something. And I think that actually is a big thing that's like sort of been confused and lost in our world today, is that everything that we disagree with, we're angry about, you know? And we see that expressed in our world and, and even as we talk about things like social media and all of that. And, and here are some things, and these are not in your bulletins, in your outlines, and I just want to encourage you to think about writing these down Here are some things I would say that is typical of things we should be angry about. One is injustice in the world, okay? Injustice in the world. Things where people have been, you know, treated poorly in some way. Now, I want to even talk here about how, um, you know, it's interesting, this whole thing with uh, the, the place Sodom and Gomorrah, right? You consider Sodom and Gomorrah and the story of when Sodom and Gomorrah was just leveled, right? Just totally leveled by God, just destroyed, 
And typically, it's, we think of that as with the sexual deviance and, and all the sin that went into that sort of thing is why that place was destroyed. However, I want you to look at Ezekiel 16. You can just listen if you want, but uh, it's not on the screen. Ezekiel 16, verse 49. It says this, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease. But she did not help the poor and needy. Thus, they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. Now, it is that sexual deviance and that sin, that the abominations it's referring to. It's not, it's not, uh, not that. A lot of people will even say, oh, it's just about this social justice. But it was also that kind of sin. However, we forget that it says right here that Sodom, one of their greatest sins that God was angry about, was they didn't care for the poor and needy. Do we ever think about that? I want you to think about that, that God is angry about injustice in the world, and maybe you should be angry about that as well. God is angry about falsehood and greed. You look at Ananias and Sapphira, who had their lives ended for presenting a gift that they were lying about, about how much they were doing out of false motives, and there's all this falsehood and greed involved in that. There is also where Jesus, the, the big story when we think about anger and we think about if it's okay to be angry, it's where Jesus comes into the temple. It's in, uh, it's in a few different spots, but Mark eleven fifteen to 17, you can find kind of the, the biggest, you know, the, the biggest description of this whole thing. But in Mark 11, Jesus comes to the temple and, he, and it says, He entered and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he wouldn't permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And he began to teach and to say to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a robber's den. Because these people are swindling people as they're coming in to, to present their worship to God. That they're capitalizing on these people's requirement to come in and make sacrifices. That they are, uh, you know, that they're essentially bringing, it's kind of spiritual abuse, I'd want to call it. You know, spiritual abuse in this way. That they are then taking for themselves this greed. And Jesus comes in and he is, no, this shall not be, right? He's coming in and he's coming in strong. Now, I think a lot of times people will say like, oh, well, Jesus did that so I can rage against whatever I want to rage against. Now, let's remember, Jesus also is God and he is, you know, the Messiah who is coming into the temple, this house of God, and he has authority in this place. So he's expressing his authority in the temple also in addition to just not wanting this this swindling to be happening. Okay, so there is a lot more going on here than just it's not for you to now suddenly go around to every church and not like what they're doing in their lobby or something and just start, you know, raging. Okay, that's like, that's where uh, we have to like be a little bit careful with what we're doing. Uh, now, a, a third thing I would say would be, so we got injustice, we got this falsehood and greed, and then as well as idolatry. Idolatry where you, you have idolatry is essentially putting anything equal to or above God in your life. Whether that's a little statue that you worship or if that's, uh, you know, money or whatever it could be. And for the Pharisees, that was morality. That was legalism. They were putting their morality or their rule following above even God himself. And so Jesus is pretty angry about that. You've got God's wrath in the Old Testament. All sorts of ways that you can see the anger of God expressed. And then I would say these things are things that we should be 
angry about. Now, when it comes to being angry about things, we have to be careful. I want to repeat this caution. And my caution here is going to come from a super, super nerdy illustration. Okay, now, and myself as a nerd. I like to read the kind of books that have maps in the front. Like, uh, and if you know what this is, it's like science fiction books, you know. And this is me as just like full-on nerddom. Okay, here we go. But uh, these are books that have the map in the front and have a cover that looks kind of like this. (laughs) So embarrassing. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, these are like the dwarves and elves, like Lord of the Rings and Narnia. Those are the ones that are cool to say, and all the other ones are really weird. But, um, you know, <laughs> with these books, well, it, what happens a lot in these books is that you have someone that will have, like, some gift of magic, right? Like, you've got this person that can use magic in some way. But what will happen is that the magic, if they use it, it's this great gift for them. But if they use it, they will somehow they'll either be exhausted by it and be vulnerable to getting, like, beat up by somebody else. Or it, like, comes with some sort of price, okay? It has some sort of consequence on them to use the magic. Now— Oh, it was like hard for me to even say because I feel like a lot of people make fun of me, but that's okay. But, um, but with that, it's like anger is like this, okay? Anger is where it has great power, but it also has like a, a, a cost or a price that you have to be careful because anger can hurt. Anger can destroy. It's powerful— Let's keep the nerd thing going. It's powerful like the dark side of the force, okay? It's powerful like the dark side of the force. But if you ever notice, the dark side of the force is like, is more powerful. Even it seems like they can do like lightning out of their hands and stuff. That's pretty cool. However, it always leads to their destruction. So this, this anger can lead to your destruction. It's very powerful. However, if we use it unwisely, it can lead to our destruction. Let's get off those slides. Okay, so... We tend to—here's the the temptation and the risk in this, is that we tend to see our own anger as righteous and other people's anger as sinful. That's kind of how we we can tend to interpret anger, right? Like, I'm angry about this thing, therefore it must be righteous anger. And that person's angry about that thing, and they're just—man, that person has a bad temper. You know, that that angle. And so we have to have a sense of being able to examine ourselves, being able to consider how we express anger. And in light of this problem, I would then say we should follow along with what James 1 says, that everyone must be quick to hear— Slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Okay, so we have a caution. While anger can be used well, and like, like passion essentially, we must be careful how we use anger. We should be slow to it. It's repeated in Proverbs 16 here. It's also in Proverbs 19 talks about this. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. So to be able to have self-control is praised here. Self-control over allowing that anger to to burst forth with, with that kind of wrath. Okay, so we have to be careful of how we use anger. Now, so like what the verse says then, it says be angry, but it says now don't sin. Don't sin by letting anger's poison infect you. The way the verse keeps going is it says, Yet do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, so it, it gives this, uh, this time limit. You know, to not let anger become sin, it gives a time limit. Now, interestingly enough, uh, this is something that was 
almost a, a proverbial saying back in these ancient times that uh, Plutarch wrote about this. To the, he said that, uh, I gotta look this one up. The, he said, if ever the Pythagoreans were led by anger into recrimination, they were never to let the sun go down before they joined hands, embraced one another, and were reconciled. Uh, in the, the literature they found in Qumran when they unearthed, unearthed this, this town was that it talks about, uh, like, there's, there's a lot of things that it says, make sure you finish this before the sun goes down, like paying a poor man his wages. Make sure you complete that before the sun goes down. And so this is a proverbial thing of, hey, don't let the sun go down before you resolve this, before you deal with this issue. You can't let this keep going because even that righteous anger or angry when you're right, even then it can still have this this effect on you that leads to sin where it, it simmers and it festers and it poisons us if we let it go unchecked. Um, Something uh, Tim Nellis said to me when we were, we were talking about this topic. He said, you know what? Uh, this reminds me of how he likes to go golfing with me. And uh, he says he likes to go golfing with me because he's guaranteed of two things. He said, number one is that he's guaranteed to see a club get thrown. <laughs> it's just being real. Uh, it's not, not, maybe not necessarily good and, and pretty much probably why I don't really golf. Uh, but it's... Like that, I'll just get so frustrated with that game. Like, I, oh, it just frustrates me. And I'm sure it frustrates most of you. It's kind of the point for some reason. But like, you just get so frustrated. And eventually I'm just like, ah, and I chuck my club. And he says he loves being able to see that. But then he said, uh, in a good way, he said, I also love that by the end of the round, I'm just laughing and happy and I don't really care. It's not something that's like affecting my life. You know, it is just this thing that happens that you're frustrated and angry. And I've expressed it in some way. But expressing anger is different than resolving anger, okay? Expressing anger is different than resolving it. Like, we can express our anger even in some healthy ways to kind of get the negative energy out. Like, some people go running, or you punch a punching bag, or throw a golf club, or whatever that might be. That's an expression of anger. However, you haven't resolved it. You're just sort of getting some of that negative energy out. And we have to be careful of how we then express it uh, in negative ways, and we have to work towards resolving it. And we want to resolve that then, you know, in a short amount of time. That we want to keep short accounts. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Isn't just storing up this angry information to be used later against someone. I know that that B and I, while totally not perfect with this, uh, we have tried to, to work on that. Where we try to resolve something. She tends to be more of someone that needs to think about the issue before we then talk about it. I tend to be someone that more wants to talk about it right now. So we have to be aware of that, right? And I'm totally not good at necessarily being aware of that either. But it's like we're growing in that where, hey, but we need to deal with this and not just let this keep going. But we also recognize, you know, probably we've recognized that after 10 p.m. isn't a great time for us to have significant, meaningful conversations without getting frustrated or angry. And so there has to be some sort of like, hey, look, I love you. I know that we're upset. I know we're frustrated. But can we, like, love each other and discuss this more tomorrow? You know? It's, it's, it doesn't mean everything has to be solved. And if you're angry about, you know, the injustice of human trafficking, you're not going to be done being angry about that before you go to bed tonight and have it solved. Like, so there's some complexity to this as well, but a principle that we can learn for our life. And part of that, I would say, in, in, especially in this better together sense, is that we would have a firm center 
a firm heart with soft edges. Okay, is this, this lesson that, that I've been learning for me. Where, yes, have strong convictions. Have things that you really believe that it needs to be done well or, you know, whatever that is. Or this truth needs to be, you know, held up. Have that strong conviction, but be gentle with people as you are expressing that conviction. That's how we can be better together. Because we need to be truth tellers, but we need to be loving in the way that we express that truth. Do you understand what I'm saying here? And I think that's not what I see, at least on the internet. But um, so within this better together thing, there, there is this way that we have to be able to learn how to express that. But we also need to learn how to express that to God. This is one more thing that's not written in your outline that I'd encourage you to write these psalms down. If you want to remember this, this question, can we be angry at God and not sin? And I would say yes. Yes, you can be angry at God and not sin. Now, you can probably be angry at God and sin. However, I want to show you just pretty quickly a couple spots. All right, Psalm 44. Uh, and if you want to write these psalms down to read later, it's, it's pretty amazing, actually, what takes place in some of these. Psalm 44, I'm just going to read a few verses here and there. Verse 8 and 9 says, in, uh, and this is not a psalm of David, this is of the sons of Korah. It says, In God we have boasted all day long, and will give thanks to your name forever. And then the next verse, Yet you have rejected us and brought us to dishonor, and do not go out with our armies. Verse 12, You sell your people cheaply, you've, and, and you've not profited by their sale. You make us a reproach to our neighbors. And then verse 23, Arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? There's this expression to God that is, it's not courteous. You know, it's more passionate and angry than courteous. And then if you flip over to Psalm 83, you see this, uh, this song of, uh, Psalm of Asaph that says in verse 13, Oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like chaff before the wind, like fire that burns the forest, and like a flame that sets fire, uh, sets the mountains on fire. Pursue them with your tempest. Fill their faces with dishonor. You know, it's like, that's their prayer. Do we ever pray like that? I don't know. There was an awesome thing that came out this week that of course you're going to th- uh, know that I thought was awesome. But it was this conversation between Bono and Eugene Peterson about the Psalms. And uh, I was so intrigued by this. But one of the things that Bono was saying as he loves the Psalms, he said that Christian music today is dishonest. Because it expresses a, a happy, you know, just no problems, no worries sort of life. And that he wishes that it, that, that it could be more honest like the Psalms are. And he, I think he's got something there. Psalm 109, this one uh, is of David actually. And he says, O God of my praise, do not be silent. For they've opened the wicked and deceitful mouth against me. They've spoken against me with a lying tongue. In verse 14, this is his prayer to them. It's so brutal. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. And don't let the sin of his mother be blotted out. He's essentially praying for them to be damned, like, and not be forgiven, right? Like, that's a pretty intense prayer. In verse 21, he says, <laughs> then, listen, David, this is classic. And he says, But you, O God, the Lord, deal kindly with me for your name's sake, because your loving kindness is good, deliver me. You know, you're like, ah, what's going on here? But I think there's some sort of permission being given here, right? 
that you can express your heart to God. And if you're not, if you're just stewing in that, if you feel all these things and you don't pray in this way or you don't express that to God in some way, I think that's actually where our anger becomes sin. That's when we're just like bottling it all up. Now we can't go negatively punching people or whatever. You know, we got to like consider how we express this. But if maybe it could be helpful to you to spend some time journaling or write your own psalm, your own song or poem to God of how you would express some of that emotion to him. Because we don't want to give the devil a place in our heart. Don't let that anger give the devil a place in you. Verse 27 says, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Now this Greek word here for, that's, that's translated in the NASB as opportunity, uh, there in verse 77, most often, it's used a lot of places, it's most often translated as either a place or location. If you see tapas, place, location, passage in a book, like I lost my place, you know, uh, a position, possibility, an opening, or an opportunity. And so we don't want to give the devil then an opening into our lives. We don't want to give him a place that he can begin to sink in. Other parts of the scripture say a foothold, right? We don't want to allow Satan, the enemy, to have an opportunity to use that anger and then twist it and to exert his influence in our lives. Because when we have this unchecked, unprocessed anger in our lives— The devil will then use that. He will take an opportunity to use that to get us down. And so I ask you, do you have unchecked or unprocessed anger in your life in some way? Consider. Consider your life. Because anger is a a secondary emotion. There's typically a deeper-rooted issue that, that is causing anger then to come and to burst out of that. So most often, if you're angry, there's also something a little bit more below the surface that's really going on and causing that anger. So I want you to consider your life. Examine your life. Spiritual warfare is not just fought in the, you know, the crazy exorcism or a prayer meeting or something. It's fought here in moments like this, where you consider your life and the unprocessed, unchecked anger that you might have that Satan is using to destroy you. So I challenge you to pray, to engage. We're going to give you some chances to do that today as well. Because if it's unchecked, you've taken it to bed. And you've let it linger. You've let it fester. You've let it take root. And what God says to do about it, God says is, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's the exact words of Matthew 5, 44. When there are people who we are angry with, what are we to do with that? We're to love them, pray for them. Other parts of Scripture say bless those who persecute you, that we're really supposed to love them and pray for them. That is impossible, it seems like. How can I possibly do that? But I think that's how God even works in us through that anger and to get rid of that anger, that negative sense of anger, to to heal us of it. Because there's, you know, it just doesn't make sense to us to live this way. You know, when you consider the political climate that we have today, and to think about, do people really pray for their enemies and love their enemies and bless those who persecute them? No way! We don't see that displayed in our world. 
And I think it's given the devil a place in our hearts. It gives him an opportunity. You might think, you know what? I cannot pray for my enemies. I cannot show love to them. You have no idea what my story is. Well, I want to just show you a prayer. I want to read to you a prayer. It's a bit of a trump card here, but it's... Oh, for lack of that's a little pun, pun not intended. But, um, but this is pretty serious, actually. So this, this prayer was, if you consider people that you are enemies who are enemies in your life that you would not want to pray for, people who have wronged you. This is called the Ravensbrück Prayer. And Ravensbrück was a death camp uh, during the Holocaust where 92,000 women and children died. And this prayer was found written on a, a scrap of wrapping paper lying next to a dead child when this, when this death camp was liberated. And it says this, Lord, remember not only the men and women of goodwill, but also those of ill will. But do not only remember the suffering they've inflicted on us, but remember the fruits that we have brought thanks to this suffering. Our comradeship, our loyalty, our humility, the courage, the generosity, the greatness of heart, which has grown out of all this. And when they come to judgment, let all the fruits we have borne be their forgiveness. Yeah. If they can pray that prayer, we can pray anything. We can pray anything. And so we ask God first, Lord, do a work in my heart. Do a work in my heart in the spaces that I am just angry and I don't know even why it happens, but it builds. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would do a work in me to help me to process this, to resolve it, to come to healing with it. I've given you just a little tool because we want to do some processing even here this morning. And on the back of your bulletins is a little flow chart that we made. Um, And there's a glimpse of it on the screen, but you can really read it here, this flow chart. It's one of those little things you process through and Starts with, are you angry about anything? And if you go to no, we take you down to liar, be honest, yes you are. Uh, and, and hopefully that's just, that's playful. Okay, but we get to like, we do have anger, but the big question is, are you willing to resolve it? And then he says, no, if, if you're not, if you have a, a, some sort of block that you're not willing to resolve that, then I say, this is a spiritual warfare issue. And we have some steps for you to take here. And in a little bit, I encourage you, Uh, We'll have some folks available at the prayer points that we'd love just to pray with you and engage with you in some of that. Uh, We also have a prayer team that you can contact to work through some deeper stuff with that. But if you are willing, we just broke this down into, is this an, are you angry with an institution, a person, or an issue? If it's an institution, that could be a school, it could be a church, it could be Calvary, it could be another church, and you came to Calvary because you're angry at this other church. And we don't want to just let that go kind of unchecked right? We want to help work through that with you. And so we've given some steps, and you can read through these. If you're angry with an issue, about an issue, if a person has wronged you in, in one of these institutions, we want you to go to, back to the person one. But maybe God's doing something that you're angry about this issue, this injustice in the world, and maybe that's passion, and God's calling you to rise up and to do something about it. But if you're angry with a person, I want you to identify who this person would be and why you're angry with them, and we have some steps that you can take 
to go through to help kind of process this. And so what we're going to do here and now is we're going to go into a time of communion, a time of uh, celebrating what is uh, often called the Eucharist. And the Eucharist is simply this Greek word that means thanksgiving, okay? For the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, communion. And the, the Eucharist, thanksgiving, is that we want, we want to be thankful, right? That's the whole point of that word. We want to be thankful for what God has done, what Jesus did on the cross, that he sacrificed himself. He gave his life for us, and he came back to life again. He was resurrected, and he rose in power and strength, and we are thankful for that. And so we want to, in this moment, replace the anger that's in our hearts with thankfulness for what Jesus has done. But we're called to examine ourselves. And in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, we, we read, there's a lot in there about this, about the Eucharist. But in verse 28, it says, But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That we are called to examine ourselves. And maybe even this little flowchart thing can be a helpful process for you to examine. And then, what we'd want to do then is point you to, um, then like at the end of our service today, we're going to have a chance to give, to give our offering. And in, I, want, I want to point us to this, like another passage in Matthew 5 that points to that, just to direct our hearts when it comes to this. And even in this time as we're preparing, Matthew five twenty one to 24 says this, You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, Jesus says, that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the supreme court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, hear this, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. So we examine ourselves. We reconcile even before we would take part in this Eucharist, before we would take part in this offering of worship to God. And so I encourage you in this time that we have now, I'm going to pray in a moment. The folks are going to come and they're going to pass out the elements and just hold on to them, okay? Just hold on to them and wait. We're going to sing a song, but during that song, I just encourage you to sit and to reflect and examine. And if you need to get up and go talk to somebody, go for it, you know? I don't know. Whatever it takes. But let's resolve and reconcile and not let it fester and poison. Because anger can be a gift, but it can also destroy you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you now and we thank you for your love, your kindness, your compassion. Lord, we also know that you do express anger and wrath. And God, I pray that you would show us in our hearts the things that we are to be angry about and help us to know then what to do about it. Help us to express that righteous anger well, while at the same time being gentle with the people that are involved. I pray, God, that you would point out to us in our hearts the ways that we have unchecked or unprocessed anger. Lord, that we have not resolved. And I pray that you would bring it into the light and that we would find reconciliation, that we would find redemption in you alone. So we thank you.
for the cross. We thank you 